when you're up against a hostile room of people who don't want to be there, you need real strategies that get results. Welcome to From Hostage to Hero, the show that gives you practical advice you can use right now in the courtroom, boardroom, or classroom. Learn how to move your unwilling audience to one that is invested in what you're saying, eager to participate, and engaged in the process. Learn from the attorney whisperer herself, your host, Sari Delamont. Well, hello, everybody. I hope you're having a wonderful day, whatever day it is that you're listening to this podcast. Uh, By the way, if you happen to miss a podcast and want to get caught up, make sure you get on our email list. We send out a binge file every, I think it's Friday, last Friday of the month to let you know what you missed. So maybe you just can't listen to them every week and you want to go in and you want to see what did I miss this week? That will have the lowdown for you, but you've got to be on our email list. You can do that at sorrydlm.com. And by the way, we've just changed our um, email, newsletter, whatever you want to call it, because we know you guys are very busy and don't have time. And so we've now launched Operation Rescue Trial Tips from the Attorney Whisperer. And it just has a quote from the book, a short trial tip, and a short video, under five minutes, most of them are two minutes, of how to take the things out of the book and apply them to your trial practice right now. So again, if you're not on our mailing list, you want to make sure that you do that, either from hostagetohero.com or sorrydlm.com. And last thing before we get started in today's uh, podcast If you wouldn't mind, if you've read the book, please go to Trial Guides and review it if you liked it, Uh, even if you didn't like it. I'd love to hear what you had to say about it. And if you have not reviewed this podcast yet, please review it wherever you listen to your podcast. That is my ask for today. And now I'm going to give because we're going to talk today about how it is time to level up level up. You know, this is a concept um, both that I think is just an idea out in the world, you know, to get better, but it it comes to mind because I've been uh, going through this weight loss journey that I think many of you know about. I am now officially over 30 pounds. I think I've been saying I'm nearing 30 pounds or whatnot, but now I'm over 30 pounds on my way to 40. And it's been a pleasure It has been a treat. I'm having so much fun. I know that's just the weirdest thing to say about weight loss, but it has absolutely been a wonderful experience. And for those of you who, I mean, I've already had people email me, what's that thing you're doing again? Here it is, once again, fit and fat, P-H-I-T, P-H-A-T. I think it's called Losing 100 Pounds with Fit and Fat is her free podcast, Corinne Crabtree. She's amazing, giving her a shout out. But What I love about this is that it's all about starting where you are and then leveling up slowly from there. So often, and by the way, I'm going to bring this back to trial in just a minute, so stick with me. So often when we are embarking, we being the people of the world who have too much weight on our bodies, um, on a weight loss journey, most of the time, I know that's all I ever did. Um, I'm not one of those people who've yo-yoed up and down. I've kind of steadily um, increased in weight over the years and now I'm finally taking it off. But for many people who go up and down, they just 
try to convince themselves that Monday morning or January 1st or whatever it may be, they are now going to morph into an absolutely different person. Suddenly, they're not going to crave pizza anymore. Suddenly, they're never going to eat cupcakes anymore. Suddenly, they're going to be all eating bacon and nothing else or whatever the diet du jour is of the day. I guess that's kind of overkill du jour and of the day are the same thing. But you get my point is that we somehow convince ourselves that starting Monday, we are going to be a totally different person. And of course, that doesn't happen. We can keep it up for seven days or maybe even seven weeks, but we fall off the wagon and we go back to what we were normally doing. So the genius of the program that I'm in is she has you start right where you are and make small changes until you're able to really start changing what you're eating. And by the way, you can eat whatever you want to eat. I, I still eat pizza and ice cream and all the things. Here's my point and how this relates to trial and to you as trial attorneys. Couple things. First off, all of the things that you were taught to do to connect with jurors, the time has come, my friends, to level up. I've I found myself saying this a lot with my one-on-one clients, the people who come out to do trial consulting or my coaching clients, because I keep hearing over and over again, yeah, but we've always been taught to X or yeah, but I was always trained to Y when X and Y no longer serve you. It's time to level up. You know, this also reminds me of in the diet program that I'm doing. It's weird to even call it a diet program because it's not a diet. It's a whole way of being. But in the program that I'm in, she talks a lot about old diet rules, old diet mentality. You know, carbs are bad is is a diet rule or eat six times a day is a diet rule. Whatever diet you've done in the past, you come into her program with all these diet rules, things that you've learned. I can't ever have pizza again, whatever it may be. And she spends a lot of time busting those myths and showing you that those diet rules are not going to help you lose weight. They may have, but in the in the long run, the weight came back, which is why you're in her program now, and they did not cre- create lasting change. And the, in that way, that's what we're talking about today as well, is that the rules, the old rules that you've learned about how to present information or how to connect with jurors or how to deliver opening statement or conduct voir dire, those old rules also need to be busted because it's time to level up. Just like the old diet rules did not create lasting weight loss. The old rules that you have around all of these things in trial when it comes to communication skills also don't produce real connection. And we're going to talk about why that is today and how you can start leveling up. So to get us started, let's talk about what some of those rules are. These might sound familiar to to you. These are just some of the ones that have come through my studio. And those of you who are wondering why we call it a studio, we've got cameras in there. So that's why we call it a studio. It's not like a news studio and they're just kind of up in the corners, but that's why it's called the voir dire studio or the opening studio, or I say in my studio. Because if I say in my office, it's, you know, we really, if you've been out to Portland, it's not an office situation. It's a definitely working situation. So that's what we call a studio. Okay. So a lot of these rules have been uttered in my studio and I'm not even including all of them. I couldn't even remember all of them. But here are some of the common old mentality 
connection communication rules that many have many of you have gone and been trained in and are now carrying along with you and you really need to level up. So a couple of them are never cut jurors off in the middle of a sentence. Isn't that one? Yeah. Um, you must always make eye contact. That's another one, big one. Uh, never, ever repeat a juror's answers back to them. That's a big no-no, right? Uh, don't ever turn your back to the audience. That's one. Don't move around too much. Uh, never shut jurors down, right? The two talkative jurors, just keep letting them talk. And so on and so forth. I could come up with a million more that you guys and gals have said to me, but I was trained in this way. All right. What may have served you once, and I'm not even going to agree that it served you because many of these things, I mean, let's just look at all of these things and that I just said, probably on some level, they do work in some situations. The problem is when you take these things and you make them a unbreakable rule and then you apply them to all situations. When we're talking about leveling up, what we're talking about is recognizing that different communication situations call for different tools and skills. And if you really want to get good at this trial lawyering thing, you've got to learn how to recognize what each situation calls for. And what I really want you to get from today's episode is you also need to understand the power of nonverbal communication. So often you are attempting to do things uh, either using a nonverbal skill like eye contact or using a verbal skill like telling jurors things they don't need to be told um, instead of using great nonverbal communication. And that in itself is a huge level up. When you let go of some of your verbal instructions, things that you're saying, things that you're doing. I mean, here's a great example. Transitions. People are always saying to me, sorry, the hardest part in wadir or opening is when I have to transition. And so how do you teach people to do that? And I say most of the time, the way that I teach people how to do that is to not do it at all. Meaning there is no transition, at least verbally. So you can end a, a bit of content and let it hang while you move location, shut off the eye contact, look back up and say, let me tell you what happened here and move into the story or whatever it may be. You don't need a, well, now I'm going to tell you the story about what happened here so that you guys can get a sense of what blah, blah, blah. Oftentimes our transitions are just talking for talking's sake. That's an example of nonverbal intelligence. You use the movement and the pause and the turning off the eye contact to transition instead of verbal. There's a great example of leveling up. So let's talk about some of these rules that I just threw out at you that I'm sure are familiar. And you're probably wondering, wait a minute, sorry, I can do those things or I'm allowed to do those things? Oh, hell yeah. And in fact, <laughs> if you're not doing these things, you're probably getting into some trouble yourself because there's a time and a place for all of the things that I just mentioned. So let's just take the first one. Never cut jurors off. Now, if we look underneath this rule that you carry with you into trial, it's because we don't want to appear rude, right? I mean, that's the big issue. Don't be rude. Don't cut people off. It's 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 rude to intrude, so on and so forth. 
And it, it kind of reminds me of when I design my alliance with my coaching clients and I talk about how there is going to be times where I intrude. I will jump in um, with what they're saying if they go into explaining or their their saboteur takes over or whatever. As a coach, I'm going to shut that down and, and make it uh, so that we can talk about what's really happening. And this is what I see missing is let's talk about Wadir, for example, which is where you would, would um, cut a juror off, is that so often, and this is the big learning, by the way, that so many attorneys get when they come to work work with me. For example, just had an attorney for a week uh, last week here, and he was like, oh my gosh, this was, this was such a big thing for me to learn, is that when you are in Wadir, you have to take control. You're the facilitator. If you've read the book, that's the role that you are in at that time. You were the facilitator. And therefore, it is up to you and your responsibility to shape and mold the conversation. I don't mean that you're going to tell jurors what they should be thinking or saying, but that you are shaping the conversation. For example, with that particular attorney, he did its voir dire and the uh, one part of it went off the rails and I don't mean off the rails like it was a terrible voir dire but meaning the jury just started going down this path and this happens and we've talked about this in podcast episodes before where it was hard for the attorney to get them back on track to talk about what it really was that he was doing and after we after the jury left but before we looked at the video he said wasn't that just funny how they just went down the tracks and they just you know went off on this tangent and wow, what a weird jury and how, how'd they take it there? And of course I had an idea of why they took it there. But we started looking at the video and I started pointing out, that's where you should have jumped in. Ooh, that's where you should have cut that person off. Ooh, this is where you should have shaped it. And he looked at me after we had debriefed the video and he said, oh my God, that was my fault. That was my fault. It wasn't the jurors. They were trying to help me. They were trying to give me what I needed, but they didn't know what it was because I wasn't properly facilitating the conversation. Yes, this is what I'm talking about. You've been trained not to cut jurors off so you don't appear rude, but what you've never been trained, at least what I can see, is that your job is to show up as the person in charge and the facilitator. It's not about you. You're not the the center of the show, but it absolutely is incumbent upon you to shape that conversation, which yes, sometimes means cutting jurors off. So for example, when we talk about facilitation, sometimes I say, you have to say to the juror, I'm going to stop you there, right in the middle of a conversation, right right in the middle of a sentence. That's actually not something that you're going to have to determine should you become a juror in this case. It's this. And we think, well, I could never do that. Yes, you can because jurors, listen now, jurors feel stupid when they later find out that they'd been going on and on and on because you let them on a, a subject that had absolutely nothing to do or was totally off the mark. They're guessing. They're trying to get it right. They're trying to be part of the conversation and act like they know what they're they're talking about. Do you remember this? Yeah, go back to eighth grade. We all did this where we tried to act cool and like we knew what the hell was going on. And this is what jurors are doing. For your benefit as well as theirs. And so it's up to you to stop them when they're getting it wrong, okay? When they start debating something because you've talked about something and they think they know what the case is about, when they want to help and they want to know. That, that That's great, but it's also on you to stop them. 
The other place where you might cut off a juror is when they say something amazing and you want to jump on it. So they go, well, you know, my dad always taught me, blah, blah, blah. And they start to go, I'm going to stop you there because what you said was just really important. That's not rude. I've seen jurors beam when an attorney has said, I'm going to stop you because what you said is so important. I want to make sure that I'm getting this right or that the jury hears it or, or because, you know, that really brings us to a point I wanted to talk about. Thank you, juror. They're fine. They're okay. So yes, there are times that you want to cut jurors off. Do you want to cut jurors off because, you know, you're bored or, or you're not listening? No. But there's times when you're being purposeful in your communication, you're facilitating a conversation that's absolutely appropriate to do that. Let's talk about you should always make eye contact. That's the biggest bullshit rule there is. First of all, that's impossible, okay? And if you are attempting to maintain eye contact 100% of the time with individual jurors, that's creepy as hell, first of all. Nobody does that. We don't do that in regular conversation. It's just, we just don't. We're at coffee with somebody. We take a sip of our drink. We, you know, we're talking, we're chatting. We are not making 100% laser focused eye contact. That's not real communication. And yet, all y'all been told, always make eye contact. Yes. Do I train my attorneys not to look other places while jurors speaking? Of course, because that looks rude. But there are definitely times when it's appropriate to turn off eye contact. For example, when you want to, when the juror, for example, is struggling, they're, they're struggling to find their words. More eye contact makes it worse. Sometimes you got to turn off the eye contact. And what we always say in the studio is turn your eye contact, switch it to your ear, meaning turn your ear toward the juror, nod your head, communicate, I'm still listening, but take off some of the pressure of eye contact because eye contact adds pressure. We know this. We know this. Think about it. You're in a fight with your wife. Do you look at her? Hell no. Hell no. Do your teenagers make eye contact with you when you are disciplining them? No, they don't want to look at you. So when someone's having trouble processing something, having an emotional moment, whatever, you do not want to turn the eye contact up. You want to turn it down. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about nonverbal intelligence. It's not that eye contact good, eye contact bad. It's when is it appropriate? You got to level up. You can't stay with the old diet mentality and you can't and rules. You can't stay with the old communication rules. You're big boys and girls now. You're in the sorry world. You're learning from hostage to hero. You now know that there is no one way to do trial and there certainly isn't one way to communicate. These are all tools. How about turning your back to the audience? Hell yeah, you should do that. I'm all about the hell yes today, apparently. <laughs> Look, when you are writing on a flip chart, which again, if you've been out to the studio, you know that I love my flip charts. And if you've listened to the um, podcast a couple episodes ago, you know I love flip charts. If you're trying to still, first of all, maintain eye contact and not turn your back to the audience, you're going to look like an idiot. <laughs> Just put it out there. You can't do the weird contortion weirdness to do that. Not to mention, if you're writing on a flip chart or looking at a PowerPoint or looking at a board, you want the juror's attention there, not on you. Otherwise, why are you using a visual in the first place? Commit to it. No, I don't mean stand in front of it, blocking it from view with your backside. That's not what I mean. But stand off to the side, turn your body toward the visual, point to it, talk to it, talk about it so that you really focus the juror's attention on it. And then when you want their eye contact again, now turn to the jury. 
Now work with them. And when you want them to look at the visual, you look back at the visual. We talk about it all the time, how when you point and you don't look at something, it's called a throwaway gesture because nobody's looking over there. You've got to look there too. And you've got to turn your body there or you look weird. (laughs) Don't look weird. And what about moving around too much? Well, yes, absolutely you can move around too much. If you're being nervous and just walking for walking's sake, sure. But oftentimes I find you move too little. You stand in the middle and you give a speech, which by the way, no one has interest in hearing a speech of any kind, anywhere, any place. Maybe if you're Martin Luther King Jr., I might change my mind. People want to be taught. They want to learn. They want to be told a story. They want to be entertained or engaged. What they don't want to be is a passive audience to a person giving a speech. And so when you're walking around and you're taking ownership and you're using the front of the jury space as a classroom and as a storytelling, as a theater, as as a stage, that's a different thing entirely, isn't it? So yes, there's times to move around sometimes a lot. In fact, even in my small group coaching, these are the people that have worked with me for a while and have now come together to work as a small group over six months. It's called Path to Mastery. And even in that group, I say, you've learned the rules. You've learned the sorry rules. Now's the time to break them, right? Because even the sorry rules, quote unquote, there's times to break those. When you become a master, you're, you now are not trying to give a perfect presentation. You're trying to do what you need to do to keep the audience engaged and with you. So you're going to break some rules, even sorry ones. Yeah. And shutting jurors down, the ones that are super talkative, yes, you need to do that. I mean, when this comes down to group dynamics, does it not? Where you've got this entire group that is annoyed at the person who keeps talking, but you let them keep going because you don't want to cut them off because it feels rude. When the entire group is giving you permission, shut this person down. I mean, this is the big skill that we teach in our Wadir classes of how to do that. And every single attorney is like, oh my God, that's going to be hard. That's going to be so hard to actually shut this juror down. I said, it's not hard when you get that the entire group is begging you to do it and they're annoyed at the person who's talking too much and here's the thing if you don't do it now who who are they annoyed with you you don't want them annoyed with you and that comes down to group dynamics that's a whole whole other lens that we look through when we're talking about this now of course your group needs to be formed for you to have permission to do that and to read if they want you to do it and all the cool fun things by the way those of you who are like Sorry, we want more. Give us more. Talk to us more. You know what? Get off your ass and get to a studio class. Listen, I can tell you, I love to tell you podcasting is my favorite things. I loved writing the book. I love that you're loving the book so much. I'm getting those beautiful emails. But if you want to get good at this, come and work with me. I don't say that for the money. I got plenty of money and I plan on making plenty more. It's not about the money. It's about challenging you to do something. You got excited when you read the book, right? You get excited when you listen to these podcasts. So do something about it. Come and take it to the next level. All right? I'm just going to put that out there. Here's what I really want you to get is that when you are now moving toward excellence and mastery and wanting to up your game, you've got to level up. You've got to take these old rules and throw them out and recognize they no longer serve you. What we're talking about here is actually 
connecting, not doing a technique of connection. We're, we're talking about actually listening, not communicating I'm listening by giving creepy eye contact and nodding your head, actually listening to the jurors, actually caring about the jurors, actually connecting with people in front of you. In fact, once you actually do that, a lot of your nonverbal weirdness goes away. It's all the shit you've been taught of how to act like you're doing this that's created these crazy ass rules that you don't fucking need. You just need to be you up there connecting, excited about your story, excited about what you're teaching. And then these rules, you don't need them anymore. You can toss them out. So my friends, it's time to level up. You ready? Level it up, sisters and brothers. Question all these things that you've been taught. See if it serves you. I I bet you're going to find it doesn't. Start actually listening, caring, letting go of all your old shit, and you'll find this gets a lot more fun. You know, my client, that one who was out here for five days, he said on the last day, he said, this has been absolutely life-changing, and I now I'm going to go back, and I know that I'm going to love trial lawyering again. That's what I hope for you. I hope to be a voice in this madness, that this can be fun, that this can we can bring the human level back, that there can be things here that serve you and you can start shedding. I mean, that's really what I help most of my clients do, shedding their old mentality, shedding their old communication rules so that they can really show up as the amazing people that they are, that you are, that you, my fans are, my, my friends, my peeps. All right, love to you all and we'll talk next week. That's it for this episode of From Hostage to Hero. But head to our website, sorrydlm.com, for other must-have resources from Sari Delamart. Read the transcript of this podcast, watch trial tip videos, or download your free copy of Sari's article, Why Jurors Hate the Hobby Question. We're glad you joined us today. And until next time, remember that to lead a hostage to freedom, you must first free yourself. 